Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. My name is Larry Morrison. I am the financial shaman. And it is freezing out here. Clearly going to have to evolve the way in which I do this, at least for the foreseeable future. But for now, I'm out on a very crisp, we'll say, walk. And I'm going to let my heart warm me up. So, what do we want to talk about today? On this podcast, we break down uh, all the belief systems that stop money from coming to us. But not just money, unconditional love and happiness and joy. And you know what struck me the other day? This question hit me because I've been getting so much insight about this game we call physical reality. And what's so fascinating to me is how many people are on this earth that have no clue where they came from. Here's what I mean. When we... When we enter this game, we wipe our memory. We wipe our memory of who we are, what we came from, to pretend, as, as it were, that we are, you know, in my case, Larry Morrison, or we are this one singular life, and you are who you are, Right? It's so fascinating to me that philosophers and wise people have sat around and pondered the nature of existence and no one finds it fascinating that we wiped our memory, that we have no memory of what came before our birth. I find that extremely fascinating. So let's talk about it for a little bit. Get the ball rolling here. What do you believe is the reason to wipe a memory? I mean, if you've listened to me long enough, um, what I currently, my perception of it is very simple. To play a game of self-discovery, of awakening, you would have to plunge yourself into the darkness one of my favorite authors, authors, authors. <laughs> one of my favorite authors put it this way: "Wiping the memory is kind of like going into a movie theater and turning down the lights to best get zoned in, if you will, into the movie and forget about the outside surroundings." And that's a pretty good analogy because you can't really focus. And pretend you're just human if you remember you're God. So you have to wipe your memory in order for this game, this virtual reality, to seem real. But what fascinates me the most is... Let's look at it from the perspective of no one... that The person who doesn't think like that, right? Who doesn't agree with my perception of it. Why would we ripe our memory? Why would we have no memory of what we came from? And no memory of where we're going after this? 
right? Because it's all hypothesis for everybody who hasn't had a near-death experience or seen the other side, like I have, which is a whole other long story. Basically, anybody who does DMT will tell you they've seen the other side. Uh, There's multiple ways into the spirit world. Uh, That's the one that chose me and I chose. And I do not uh, advocate illegal drug use. I never have. Uh, Get yourself to a sovereign land if you want to do that. And what's funny about DMT, it's naturally occurring into the brain. But... Another story for another time. My point is, anytime you cross over, you have a near-death experience or you find a way to cross over, maybe it's an intense uh, meditation or dream or uh, something that shakes you to your core and you have to go inside, right? Anytime you cross over into the spirit world, you realize what we are. Instantly, you remember. And then, ideally, you bring some of that back with you. But my point here is, the average person... Don't you find it fascinating that you don't know where you came from and you don't know where you're going? <laughs> so you you look at this thing and you go, okay, so you're born and you die, and there's an infinite amount of time on either side of those things, from before birth and after death, there's an infinite amount of time in the short window that you're here. Why would it be like that? Like, if you're breaking down the nature of the universe, why would it be structured this way? I can, I'm, tr- I'm going to try to imagine what someone would say. The obvious answer is you don't know. The next answer, I mean, and and that's powerful, let's not move off of that. If somebody says they don't know why it's that way, then that's a good place to start because that means they're open. You know, they're not brainwashed into the BS that uh, religion has given us. Or um, they're not self-righteous and arrogant enough to think that they know. And I'm open to other perceptions as I say that, like... Everything that's coming through me has been channeled and I've seen so much and been gifted so much perspective. But I'm always open to evolve my perception. So if there is a higher one, I'm open to it. Um, That said, so you have the person who says, I don't know, which is huge. Which is huge to have that kind of a blank slate because the unknown is so scary to so many egos, right? The unknown is terrifying to the ego so it will box the unknown in and try to say I know so you don't get scared and that's the thing the second most common thing is that this place is a test that's what religion has taught us right it's a test of character a test of morality but that doesn't make any sense at all for the simple fact that why would God test you if you didn't have 100% free will what I mean is Why would God test you but give you rules to a test? You can't test someone without free will. Here's here's let me let me look at it like let's let's take a step back. Let me look at it like this. If you had free will, 100 percent free will, then there that wouldn't be a test of character. Because 
there would be no consequence. Free will means here, do whatever you want. Just like a, a, you, you give a child, you send a child to the playground. Do whatever you want. That's free will. If you fall down and you get hurt, no big deal. Do you make friends? Great. It's like, it's, it doesn't matter. That's free will. It doesn't matter. There's no consequence. It's unconditional love. A test would mean that you're given instructions on what to do. But it would also entail that you wanted to have the test. Without memory, you don't remember the choice of choosing a test. Here's what I mean. I've talked about this before when, when I talked about um, manipulation. <clears throat> when someone says to you, you owe me this, but you, like someone does something nice for you, and then they come to you and say, I need this, you know, I want this, your help with this thing. And you say no, and then they say, well, I helped you before, and try to use guilt to manipulate you into doing what you don't want to do. You immediately stop and go, I thought that was a gift. If you wanted something in return, then you should have told me when you gave it to me, because that would have been an exchange, and I would have had the option to choose whether to agree to the exchange or not, right? Someone does a favor for you and uh, promotes your podcast or whatever, let's say, this is all hypothetical, let's say they promote your podcast or whatever, you say thank you, this is a great gift, right? You think it's unconditional love. And then they say, hey, I need your help with this thing. Um, You know, one of my clients needs your perspective on something or whatever. And you're like, ah, that doesn't call to my heart. And they're like, well, I did that. I I promoted your podcast. You need to help me. That's when you stop and go, if you promoting my podcast was an exchange, then I should have been party to the exchange so that I could agree to that exchange at that time. Your podcast from my, you helping someone else, right? Promoting your podcast. That's if, if you don't, if you're not party to the exchange, that's a guilt trip and that's a, a, a manipulation because what somebody's doing is overvaluing what they did for you so that you do what you don't want to do. Right? I bring that all back to if this is a test, then we should remember opting into the test. That part of our memory should stay intact if this was in fact a test of moral character or whatever. The heaven and hell debate, which is all nonsense. And I'll get into that in a second. But if this was a true test, when you're in school, you're taught something, you're tested on it. How were we ever taught morality? You either have that character or you don't. And if you're like, well, your parents teach you right from wrong. (laughs) Right from wrong is subjective. Here's a good example. In certain parts of the world, shaking hands is an insult. Like a violently offensive insult. But if you're born in this part of the world where I am, shaking hands, well, (laughs) 
pre-COVID. Shaking hands is a sign of respect and, you know, good nature. So right and wrong is subjective. Now you might go, well, killing is wrong. Is it? Is killing wrong? If you say killing is wrong no matter what part of the world, I would invite you to look at police killing all of the time for our safety, quote unquote. Or you killing an intruder that comes in your house while I was protecting myself. I thought you said all killing was wrong. Well, what about wars? We're killing for our freedom. So you're like, well, there's caveats. No, I thought you said all killing was wrong. You see what I'm saying? If this was a test of right and wrong, but no one taught us what's right or wrong because right or wrong is all subjective, then how would we know what we're being tested? We, are not, we do not remember choosing the test and we cannot agree on what is right and wrong. Hence, moral philosophy professors and theologians and all this other shit. My point here is, if this is actually a test, you would have to be taught something. Remember that thing, and then agree to take the test. None of which happened, or at least that we don't remember. So this is what's so fascinating. If God was really testing us, you would have to remember opting into a test to have it be a test, and you would also have to remember the lesson to be tested. The other thing with the test theory, which is ridiculous, in my opinion, is God is everything. All that is. All of it. Everything you will ever think, say, do, and feel is source energy. It's all one thing. Therefore, you were created perfectly, Everything you've experienced and thought was all source. Why would it test you if it is you and everything you've experienced is you? That doesn't make sense. You see, to have the test theory is to see God as separate from you. Or to see this as some kind of chaotic Petri dish. A science experiment that's just letting it all play out. That's absolutely ridiculous. Everything is one thing. It's all one. It just is a perception of separation. It's a perception of subject-object differentiation. That's all. So why would God test you if it is you? So here, let's just do it like this. A little boy doesn't have enough money to go get candy, but wants the candy, goes to the store, and puts the candy in his pocket and steals it. Right? Then dies, then comes to God, and now is being judged. God is the candy, the store, the society that made money, 
that says you have to afford things and exchange for things. It is the boy, it is the thought, it is everything. Why would it judge it? Why would it test it? That doesn't make sense. It's all things. So when, what's the point of the test? It made the boy, it made the candy, it made the total environment, it made the total society, it made the rules that the boy broke. Why would it, that, tell me what, to what end is that? What is the point? Does that help the child's soul evolve in some way? It would only make sense if the child knew the rules. Well, you might say, well, Larry, it's right there in the Ten Commandments where most people teach you not to steal. What if you're starving to death? Isn't stealing okay? Didn't everybody see Aladdin? If you're starving to death, isn't stealing okay? If there's caveats to a rule, how do you test for that? All killing is wrong. Well, unless, you know, someone's breaking into your house or we're protecting our freedom from abroad, lying nonsense trying to say that other humans are taking our freedom somehow like if there's caveats to a rule how do you test for that does the average person really think that we're in some kind of a maze a labyrinth an elaborate labyrinth is elaborate and labyrinth do those two words have similar origins? Anyway, some elaborate labyrinths designed to do what? To see if what our parents taught us still holds true? Why? To what end? This is why I find the memory wipe so fascinating because this is the rabbit hole it must go down. Why would we wipe our memory if this was a test? That doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, children, we're going to test you on everything you learned in first grade at the end of the year. And then we're going to wipe your fucking memory. So you might as well be testing for the end of second grade in first grade. We haven't learned any of that yet. Doesn't matter. Here's the test. That doesn't make sense. Why would we wipe our memory? Morning. Morning. Why would we wipe our memory? You have to go down these rabbit holes, right? Nothing can be, there's no taboo here. No one can hear your reactions or thoughts. Like this, everything I do is the conversation started within you first. Because obviously I can't hear your responses. Right? So why do you think we wiped our memory? The test doesn't make sense. From every conceivable angle, it doesn't make sense. It would only make sense if this was a hostile universe that you were separate from God. If this is a hostile universe that judges you and has conditional love for you, then yeah. If you think God's love is conditional and that it's separate from you and everything and that this is some kind of petri dish, then yeah, 
That's the only way this is a test would make sense. So let's keep going. Why would we wipe our memory? This fascinates me. Why would we wipe our memory? If someone, so the, the, the logical answers, or the, the, not logical, but the typical, I should say, answers are, I don't know, which is a huge, awesome thing to think. In my place, that's the best place to be, is the curiosity place. Be curious. That's what we're doing here. We're being curious. Okay. Okay, sorry. All right. Here we go. And go. Okay, so the next idea down this rabbit hole of why would we wipe our memory is we're here to figure that out. Which goes back to the journey of self-discovery. Right? This is the endless debate of the mind trying to grasp something that's ungraspable. Right? This is what people are supposedly doing in college campuses. Just either research professors or whatever, or philosophy people, just sitting around thinking shit up, right? Why did we wipe our memory? Well, we're here to figure that out. We're here to figure out who we are. Think about it like this. If you, ha- if you woke up with amnesia, and it's just temporary amnesia, ideally, and let's say um, you had this great love, this great passion, and you've forgotten it, and so you reconnect with this thing, and you're like, wow. You get to rediscover it all over again. Like, here's the, here's the idea. If we could wipe our memory now and, and pinpoint it to where it's just like, oh, the past months or the past year or the past 10 years, whatever, would you do it? Why or why not? Well, some would say, well, no, I wouldn't do it because... All that life experience has helped me evolve. True, yes. And then others would say, well, I'd love to just wipe out this shitty time that, you know, was heartbreaking. But then again, that heartbreaking thing helped you evolve, ideally, if you learn from it. And then some would go, man, it would be good to be a beginner again at this thing that I love. And remember it all again. I was playing um, one of my favorite video games the other day. And I was playing it with nostalgia. And remembering what it was like the first time I played it. And what's funny, or or you can look at it like watching a movie that has been a long time. A movie that you liked, but it's been a long time since you saw it. You can never really... It's never really the same the second time around. Because you remember the big, the big moments. You remember the ending usually, right? You might not remember every joke or every line, but you, 
It's never the same as it was the first time. Not to, not to cheapen the second time, because the second time you might hear things you didn't hear or see things you didn't see or, you know, have new ways to solve an old puzzle or something. So, what I'm just trying to say, like, the first time, there's nothing like the first time. There's nothing like... that first aha moment when you're like, oh my God, what if this place isn't real? What if I'm much more than just a human? Right? What if unconditional love is actually the truth? Like that first aha awakening moment, it's so powerful that I could see like what if what if there was an ability to watch your favorite movie for the first time again like what if we could just pinpoint and wipe your memory of that movie and that's the only thing that got removed and then right before you went and saw it again would you do that? I would think about it I would definitely consider that. Why would we wipe our memory? Oh, and then there's the bullshit belief that you don't have... Like, when you were born, that was when your soul was born. (laughs) That one makes me laugh so much. (laughs) Uh, To think that the creator of all things uh, just created you right here in, in this place. Without first letting you know who you are and why you were created. If you created sentient life, right, your children, wouldn't you want as soon as they could speak and talk? Wouldn't you want to tell them who you are? Why you made them? Why you love them? What they're doing here, if you knew that? Why do you think Source would be any different? I'm just going to create you and then just leave you to not know the Creator. Oh, because, no, we're trying to figure it out. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Why? Unless there was some magic surprise when you did figure it out. Why would we wipe our memory? Let's stay with the game or the movie analogy for a second. If I could wipe my memory of the first time I played my favorite video game, or all the times I played it until now, to have that experience again, not only would I get to relive that awe 
And those aha moments and that like, oh, wow, this is so cool. I also wouldn't have anything to compare it to. Meaning like all the games I've played since or, you know, whatever. It's just like, this is the only thing here. So the focus would be so much stronger, right? Because it's like, okay, I'm like noticing everything and like, it's, you know, I'm taking in as much as my senses can take in. Whereas like I played it the other day and it's like, oh yeah, I remember all this. Like this goes here and I got to go here and do this. Right? So the memory kind of tainted the experience. Is mine. Tainted's not the right word. It's a different experience. That's all there is to it. It's a different experience because I remember all of it, or a lot of it. Right? It's just a different experience. Just like, again, if we go back to the movie theater analogy, it's a way different experience if the house lights are on and you're trying to watch this movie, or if somebody's cell phone's ringing, or somebody's, <laughs> this happened to me the other day, someone's sitting right next to you talking. Gotta love those people who talk through movies. It's like, we're in a theater, shut the fuck up! Okay, that's just me ranting. Um, but it's just a different experience with the focus and the newness of it. Why would we wipe our memory? Because we wanted 100% focus on this experience to make it real, to make it seem real. This is an illusion. It's a trick of perception. It's like a virtual reality game or a dream. But if you didn't know you were dreaming and you had no memory of what came before the dream, how would you know it was a dream? Also, if we chose to wipe our memory for all those reasons I've already said, the only way a sentient life form would choose to wipe their memory is if they knew they would get it back when they wanted to or at some point. Think about it for a second. If I gave you the ability to wipe your memory of just one day of your life or your favorite movie or game or something, the only way you would agree to that is if you knew you could get it back at some point. Like, let's say there's a brand new, amazing virtual reality game. And it gives you the ability to wipe your memory. So you're in the game not knowing that it's not for real. 
And like, let's say you have the virtual reality headset on and all that, and you're like in the matrix and you know, your friends are watching you and cheering you on, but you can't really see them or hear them because you're just totally zoned into the game. The only way you would do that is if you knew that at some point you could take the headset off and all your memory would come back. Just think about it logically. No one would ever choose to remove the memory unless they knew they could get it back. So now look at the bookends of life. Look at the bookends of life. You start with no memory as a child. We all come in the same exact way. We all come from unconditional love. That's how every child is, no matter what. They're all unconditionally loving, super curious, fearless. What's fascinating is when we grow old and we get closer to death, a lot of people revert back to that stage. Fearless because they know they're going to die anyway. Unconditionally loving because it's the feels the best. And they know they're going to die anyway. Curious about, you know, why, what, they, what did they do? What did they come here? What did they not finish? What are they still unknown that they want to know before they leave? Now look at the bookends of life. We're here 80 to 100 years, and infinite in either direction outside of that, with no memory of what comes before or what comes after. Why? To play a game. With 100% of our focus in that moment, in that game, for that experience. For that experience to be uniquely what it is, with no memory. Knowing that we will get it all back. Typically after people die. But think about it like this. If you knew you were infinite... You were unconditional love. You were all that is. You were source, essentially. And you wanted to play a game of being the bad guy, being the villain. You would have to wipe your memory that you're God and that you're unconditionally loving at all times and completely benevolent. If you wanted to play a villain, you'd have to wipe your memory. Because no matter what, it would just be an act. You'd just be pretending. But if you wiped your memory, and you grew up, and... and you were the architect of your game and you grew up with abuse and abandonment, tons and tons of pain and suffering to create the villain. It wouldn't be an act. That would be, hello, that would be you. In the game, not the real you. I mean, when, you're, when your memory comes back, you're like, oh, well, I'm just playing a game. 
right? But if you were if you were pure unconditional love, how would you play a villain? That's the only way you could do it. You'd have to wipe your memory. Now let's take it a step further. If you knew you were God and could do anything, how would you play small? How could you just be a mother or father raising some kids and going to work? How could you play that game? You'd have to wipe your memory. And so, ladies and gentlemen, to get your power back, the power to create worlds, the power to create your world, you want to get alchemy. You want to attract and look at your life like molding clay. You'd have to remember who you are. And you'd have to let go of the story, the role that you're playing, that I'm just john smith or jane doe i can't figure that out i can't i'm just a person from podunk whatever you know alaska or whatever i can't figure that out i can't be whatever i want you have to let all that shit go you just see it as the role you were playing the game you were playing before now You have to remember the truth of who you are. Which is that you are God. Playing a game of pretend. You wanted to come play this out. Because we have literally nothing but time. We are eternal. Just take a second to realize what eternity means. You could literally play out every single human experience that's ever been and ever will be. We have eternity. You could live every second of every single life and still barely scratch the surface on eternity. Why do we wipe our memory? And how do we get it back? Meditation helps. Seeing every single traumatic experience in your life as something that helped you, as something that happened for you, for your evolution and growth, that helps a lot. Shifting perspective, 
seeing your superpower as your ability to be curious and shift perspective, then what do you think we're doing right here, right now? We're shifting perspective around what the average person thinks around about their entire life. We're getting curious. Why do we wipe our memory? Why do people walk around like this place is real, but the infinite on either direction of this place is not? Why? Because we can see and taste and touch this place, but not that one? That doesn't make sense. That just means this place is dominating our senses. That doesn't mean it's real. Or any more real than anything else. It's just in focus. It's just us in the theater, in the game. It's what's here. But the more you strengthen the connection to your heart, the more you love and get aligned with unconditional love, the more you hear the other side, the more the unseen becomes seen. The more you sense what's beyond this illusion. And the more you can bring that into the game. If this really was a game, let's just get curious. If this really was a game, and the point of the game was to help you evolve in a fun way or a new way or a different way, here's a way to look at it. Let's say the other side the spirit world, where we come from, unconditional love, I mean, everything is unconditional love, but you know that over there. The other side where we come from, where you have all your memory and you know who you are, what if that was home, like a place of complete unconditional love and acceptance, complete joy, bliss and ease, that's home. But just like here in life, if you just stay home, you're a homebody, nothing, like, of course you'll still be fine, you'll still, you know, everything's great. But most of us know we have to leave the house, we have to leave home to go to work, to go have an adventure, to go find fulfillment, to go do some shit, knowing that we can always come back home at the end of the day. We're going to go play. We're going to go outside and play. And when it's time to come home, we'll come home. And there's no wrong way to do it if you're agoraphobic and you stay inside at home all day. That's fine. You're still loved. But most of us go out and have an adventure. And then come home at the end of the day. So if this really was a game, 
And the point was to play and evolve. Because all games help you evolve. For the most part. Right? Just like every good fiction story, you know, you go on the hero's journey and you're changed by the journey, or at least you pick up some things from it, ideally. It's all good stories, all games help you evolve. So, if this really was a game, and the point was to evolve, there'd be certain things that would be constant to make sure that the game didn't stop. You'd have to have an environment that was always loving and supporting to make sure that you could keep the game going. We look at Mother Earth constantly giving us what we need, no matter what. Holding space for every single human. Right? Always enough air, water, and shelter. And if you're like, oh, well, there's people starving and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that always, fun, that always makes me laugh. Because I've been to the worst slums in the world. I've been to the worst slum in the world. It's in Mumbai. It's right near the airport. And what I always find is, like, when people say there's people starving in certain places, it's because they refuse to leave and migrate to where food and water is. Any new settler, like, there's not a lot of places to settle these days because humans are everywhere. But, like, when you think about settlers crossing the plains and here in the U.S., even though, yes, we could talk about Native Americans are already here, but my point is, like, if you're settling... A place you go where the food and water is. So every time I hear, oh, there's people starving in these places, like, yeah, because they're not near food and water. Leave there and go near food and water. And it's always the same. Well, we can't leave because we'd have to cross borders and blah, 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 blah. Or, well, my my ancestors have been here for thousands of generations, so I don't want to leave. It's like, you're attached. Animals migrate. Humans migrate. If there's no food and water where you are, leave. So attached. No, I'm going to make it work here. Okay, then die. And go home. No big deal. So, Mother Earth always gives us food, water, food, water, and air. And ideally shelter. What's the other thing it always has? What is the other thing that there's an infinite supply of? Money. There is an infinite supply of money. Do you know how I know? Because no one's never died from running out of money. The game doesn't end for lack of money. There's a literal infinite supply when you understand that it's just energy. And everything is just energy. It's just a game. Well, Larry, that sounds great, but how do I get that infinite supply into my hands? You just know that it's there. You just look that you've always had enough. 
throughout your entire life, there has always been enough money. But I want more of it. Great. So remember who you are and that there's an infinite supply and drop the worry and fear that you're going to run out. Abundance means an abundance of different perspectives. First rule of Fight Club. No, I'm kidding. First rule of abundance is that you have to have more than one perception of all situations to find the highest one. The second rule of abundance is that you have to realize there's always enough. When you realize that there's an infinite supply, that you always have enough, then we can finally come to the right question. When you're unconditionally loved and you can do whatever you want, like children playing outside at the park or whatever, when you finally come to that realization that you're unconditionally loved, that there's always enough of everything that you need, the next question is, well, what are we doing? Or better said, what do we want to play? What do we want to create? You see, this gets you off the hamster wheel of striving and chasing money and chasing love. And what if that person doesn't like me? Oh my God. You stop chasing and you start going, what do I want to create with this life? Because you damn sure know you're not put here to pay the bills. Why are you going to work today? Because I got to pay the bills. So, if you believe that this is a Petri dish, then God left this, you up to create this science experiment, and that you're being tested, you want to get to see God who's judging you, and say, well, I just had to pay the bills. If you really think that this is the... that. Life and existence ends at death. Do you really want to be like, well, I had to pay the bills? This is what's so fascinating to me about, uh, I was going to say anarchists, that's not right, atheists. So you're atheist, and you believe that we just stop existing after you die? And yet you're doing the same fucking thing everybody else is doing? Going to work and paying the bills. If you really believe that you only have this life, then how in the hell are you just in the monotony of going to work and coming home and saving for retirement? The atheists should be the ones who are the most bold, the most risk-taking, the most outlandish, The guy's climbing Mount Everest and shit. Free soloing. Or whatever. 
Like they, those atheists are the people that should be the most crazy. But they're not because they're stuck in the same brainwashing. Because no one's told them that you can do whatever you want. What do you want to create with this life? With this time? How do you want to play this game? And if you try to go down the rabbit hole, because I've been there, and I hear spiritual people do this all the time, well, nothing matters then. It's just a game. I'll wake up at home. No, no big deal. Nothing matters. No, that's not exactly true. If it didn't matter, you wouldn't be doing it. If it didn't matter, it wouldn't exist. Source wouldn't have created this game if it didn't matter. It matters. But really, what needs to be evolved from that is nothing is at risk. Nothing is in jeopardy. It's children playing at the park. You're always unconditionally loved. You're eternal. You will always exist. So nothing is at, nothing is at risk. Your soul isn't going to burn for all eternity. That's ridiculous. That's what needs to be updated. That's what needs to be evolved. Not just the burning for all eternity, which is obviously brainwashing, but the idea of oh, none of this matters. Then I don't have to, uh, I just, just kill myself. There's nothing to do. You're eternal. This is what's in front of you. It matters because it's in front of you. This is what you chose on some level at some point. Or your heart chose for you to help you evolve, to help you play a game. So yes, of course it matters. It's just there's no wrong way to do it. There's an infinite supply of everything. Sit with that for a second. Pause it if you need to. But sit with the fact that you will always have enough air, food, water, and money. If you really let that sink in, that there's always enough because there's always been enough, there's always will be enough, uh, excuse me, then the next thing you come to, and that really sinks in, like, wow, there's always enough. And have money and water and food and okay what do you want what do you want to create what is your calling to your heart to to play what do you want to do what do you want to see what's that thing that you're like ah oh, once the kids are out of the house then I'll finally do that thing what is that thing Guess what? Today's the day. Start today. It doesn't have to be something extreme. You don't have to quit your job. But like, say, I want to be a singer. Great, start singing right now. I want to be an artist. Go sign up for an art class or just start painting or drawing or whatever. Get some YouTube videos. Start, you know. 
I want to be a pro golfer. Great. Go practice your putting or whatever. Like, what? what? If you're excited about it, that means Source also wants to create that with you. But you have to drop the story that you're just human. That you're just Jane Doe and you can't figure it out. And Who am I to do this thing? You have to remember who you are. You are God pretending to be human. In order to play a game. But if you want to change the game, you have to let go of the programming that set this thing in motion for you to pretend to be a small human who can't do anything, who's limited. You have to let go of that programming, that brainwashing. I hope something I've said here has helped you today. I hope you take some steps to remember who you really are. And step one, besides maybe meditation, is to follow that highest excitement. Because then you'll see that Source wants to collaborate with you and that's the, one of the reasons you came to play was that thing that excites you. You wanted to mold and get your hand in the clay and figure it out again to master it. Master it in this existence, in this place. Not remembering that you've mastered it a thousand times before. We are, ah, let's see, what are we, what are we? Different ducks on the same pond. Different snowmen in the same field. Got multiple different snowmen here. Different clouds in the same sky. My unconditional love to you. Have a good game. Good journey, my friends.